if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider quality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every niche should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold the word out, the whole out, the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even as I am being poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. God adds his blessing to the reading of his word. Our last song before Pastor Maradona comes and brings us God's word is the highest place. Please stand with me. We're singing straight from scripture. Please join us. Yeah. 
Eric, love you here, man. <laughs> First and foremost, I want to thank God for this opportunity to share His words. And I also want to thank you guys for welcoming myself and my wife to come join you. And not only that, but allowing your pastor to come preach, you know, Johnny and also Pastor John to come and, you know, you, for us to utilize your resources and that you, um, you allow us um, for them to come and share the word of of God with us and encourage the Lincoln Barrett Baptist. I'm a shy person, so I might not necessarily approach you. I like to think myself as an introvert with extrovert tendencies. <laughs> so what that means is that I don't really talk, I don't really approach people, but in front of my friends I'm very loud. So please feel free after this if you want to know more about Lincoln or just have a chat. You know, you want to know who the cram people are, come up and we'll share. Um, and I'll, I'll get, I'm happy to have a chat with you guys. Let's pray before we actually open up God's word. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. 
Thank you so much for bringing us this opportunity to come together. Allowing us to come from our various walk of life as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And giving us the opportunity to open up your words. Father, we pray that as we come into your presence, you may teach us, Lord. That you may correct us, rebuke us, do what you need to do with us. We ask that you may speak to us today. One way or another, you will let your words be spoken. They may challenge us. I say everything I say may be acceptable in your sight, that you use me as a vessel to encourage the brothers and sisters here with your word. So, Father, we give this time in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start off by saying what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase to know Christ and to show Christ and how you could implement it. An example if there's an example at this church, I want you to think of it. Our church is currently going through a renovation and we've kind of stripped everything off the wall. But prior to that, we had two plugs on the, on the board saying to know Christ and to show Christ. Often, you know, when you go to different churches, they have something similar. One day as I was sitting and as I was looking at those words and the phrase, thought to myself, as Christians, do we actually display this in our lives? And is it present in our church environment? To know Christ and to show Christ. Looking back at the early churches, it was evident that this was the mindset of the believers. As we see that though through knowing Christ and living out their faith, the early testament church was a place of hope spirit of grace, and it was a community, a gathering for the forgiven, the redeemed and followers of Christ, where they lived in harmony and humility. Saying that today, I want us to look at the passage of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 18. And from that, try to implement what it means to know Christ and to show Christ in our fellowship. To know Christ. So if you have a Bible, or if, if um, the message... Uh, if you have your Bibles with me, turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And as we look at the early verses, what we see is in verse 1 to 4, Paul exhorts the Philippine church to display a kind and humble spirit, and to have a loving behavior. As we look at verse 1 to 2, we see that he demonstrates to the early church that the connection that they have with one another is through Jesus, through Christ, that as they experience the benefits of God's compassion in their lives, they ought to be compassionate to one another, being like-minded and being one in spirit and in mind. Paul then moves on to say he reminds them to be humble in verse 3 to 4, advising them that they ought to look to the needs of others before themselves with humility and not let a hint of pride in their hearts. And how does he do this? He points to the examples of Christ, the two definitions what humility, grace, and hope is. Paul draws on the work of the person and work of Christ Jesus. In verse 5 to 11, here the example of our Lord Jesus is set before us. Paul reminds the Christians that they must be, resemble Jesus in their lives. And what a reminder it is for us today to have the same mindset of Jesus, who, as we see in verse 8 to 6, was divine in the form of God, as the eternal and only begotten Son of God, but humble to himself, to essence of men, in order that he may, 
He may take up our sins at the cross so that we can no longer be condemned. In verses 9 to 11, Paul advised that Jesus was obedient to God through humility, even to the point of his death. Therefore he is exalted. That everyone should honor him, acknowledge him as God, as Lord. That every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Now in these verses, we know that Jesus is humble. We know that, he, look at his examples, we also need to be humble. Paul reminds us here today that to know Christ, is to have the same mindset as him, but to have a humble heart, looking at the needs of others before ourselves, and to love one another in fellowship that we have here. Friends, we gather here today at church as members of the body of Christ, and in that, I'd like to raise a question. Are we humble towards one another? Are we loving? Are we known for our love and care towards one another? In the community, in the community that we are a part of, in Pendant Hills, are you guys known to be humble and loving? Are we known as those who know Christ? In high school, I had a lot of friends. And every time they'll ask me, as you know, Pastor John will ask me, what nationality are you are? And I'll tell them, I'm Korean. They look at me strangely, like, Korean? Like, no, Korean, Korean, no, Korean. And I actually spell for them, K-A-R-E-N, Karen. Like, oh, Korean. And I have to get a mistake. And after a while, you get, you get fed of it, and you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. You think whatever you want of me. Some people thought I was Filipino. Some thought I was Chinese. Some thought I was Korean. Sometimes I was Vietnamese. <laughs> Name it. Any Asian country they thought I was. But everyone knew I was a Christian. Looking back now, everyone knew that I was a Christian. And the reason for this is in some of the little things that I did. No one knew what language I spoke. But everyone... Mind you though, I went to a school where 60% of them are Muslim. Went to a disadvantaged school in Birong, if you guys been, if you guys know the Western part area, Birong Boys. And at that point in time, when we went, it was one of the most disadvantaged schools. And there's a lot of Muslims, but everyone knew I was a Christian. And the reason being is that there's certain things that I did different. I was set apart because, as I, you know, as I recall, when we had free periods, I would take my Bible to school. And people will see that. Or when we get invited to a party, you know, it's someone's you know, 16th, 18th, or 17th birthday, everyone will be drunk. Everyone will be drinking. But there I am, not drinking. And people will ask me, why are you not drinking? And look at them and say, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't want to get drunk. I can't control myself. The reason why I tell you this story, or the reason why I tell you this example, is that we are known as Christians. We're known as those who know Christ by the actions that we do, by the things that we implement in our life, and by the little changes that we take place. Whether it be walking down the street here and seeing someone in need and helping them out. Whether it's um, praying for others, you know, not getting uh, embarrassed in the park, praying for those in need. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. But my question is, are we known as those who know Christ? In our lives, do they display what it means to know Christ? Do our actions and our life represent those who know Christ? 
Are we that of the same mindset of Jesus in that we serve God faithfully and humbly? Pastor John said, there's a river between us. How can we implement what it means to be Christ-like? Let's cross that river. Let's look at what's on the other side of the river. It's only when we implement the words of God in our life that we're known as His followers. Let us be humble as we do that. And as we give commitment to the church, as we serve church in many parts, whether if you're part of a leadership team, whether if you're a volunteer, or whether you're just someone who rocked up today, as we fellowship with one another, let us follow the example of Jesus. Let us follow what it means to be obedient. And let us be Christ-like in things that we do. Second point I want to make is that we need to show Christ. If your Bible is with me, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. And so Paul, in verses 12 to 18, after pointing to Christ as the ultimate example, he now moves on to encourage the Philippi church to be diligent in their salvation, to be an example to the world. We see in verse 12 to 13 that they are encouraged to work for their salvation and follow God's plan for them. And in turn, as we as Christians today, we too ought to work on our salvation. That is to build on the grace God has given us and to follow the purpose that He has for us in our lives and the purpose He has for this church and in this community. Paul reminds the church in verse 14 to 16 that in light of God's purpose, it is to do their duty without complaining. That as the children of God, as they follow God's will, they are to be humble and serve one another without arguing or bickering so that they can be blameless. That when people see them, they may see them as the children of God. That they may shine like the stars in the sky, holding on to the truth of the gospel. Basically for us today, it means that we are to show Christ in the things that we do as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to display Christ-likeness. So when other people come, when people walk past this church, they don't see the caves. And the kids, the free coffees, they actually see Christ. I was asked to speak at a youth camp last year. And I remember, and I'm going to finish off with one of the encouragement I gave this young youth pastor. I sat next to him as we had some time off and as we were playing. And I looked at him and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, empower him, encourage him. So I did walked up to him, I sat next to him, we started chatting and he started explaining to me, you know, how it's difficult for him to work and also pastor and sometimes, you know, it's temptation for him. And as we were sitting there, I looked at him and I'm going to say the same thing that I said to him, to you guys today. Looked at him and I said, God doesn't need you. Kind of looked confused. You know, this youth pastor who is leading the worship, singing songs, praising God, and all of a sudden this bold head guy like, you know, Eric comes up and says, God doesn't need you. And he paused. And you can see that he would have been offended in a way because, you know, who is this guy to tell me that God doesn't need me? So I looked at him again and I said, God doesn't 
needs you. Same thing I'm going to tell you guys today. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need any one of us. As soon as I said that to him, I paused and I looked at him again. I said, God doesn't need you. But you know what? God wants you. God doesn't need you, but he wants you. Is it not true? Does God need us at this church to reach out to the people outside? Does God need us to empower the smaller churches like Lickham and other churches who are dying? Does God need me to come here and speak to you guys? And he says, no. Because he can do all these things. If God wanted to raise um, Billy Graham from the dead to come to speak to you, he can. Because he is God. If God wanted other churches to empower Lickham, he can. If God wanted to um, use other people to reach out to this community, he can. But he chose to use us. See, God's not, lone, uh, God's not a God who's lonely in his little world thinking, oh, I pray that the, uh, uh, the Pennant Hill Baptist Church will reach out to the community. I, pray, I hope that there will be an uh, impact. No. God can always find someone better. God can always use other people who are better, but he actually wants us. He wants each and every single one of us in our own predicament, in our own skills, in the gifts that he's given us. He wants to utilize that for his kingdom. I thought I was good at guitar. I played a bit of guitar. I went online as I was trying to learn guitar. I saw this Korean kid, young kid, playing better than I did. There's people better than you, greater. But what you have to know is that God calls every single one of us. God calls Pastor John to preach to you guys each in, week in, week out so that your hearts will be stirred by the Spirit. God uses our brother here to go, oh, 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 to get you guys to stand up. You know, the reason for you guys standing up and doing, oh, is that, am I doing it right, brother? <laughs> oh, the reason for that, as you do it, he doesn't need you to do it, as you do it. God wants you to do that so that you can become an example for the young kids who are here. You can be a kind of example for them. So when they look at you, they no longer see my father or my uncle who doing singing things or this young man doing this, but they actually see Christ. And they want to model their life in that predicament, in that way. So friends, for us to show Christ, we need to model what it means to be Christ-like. We need to remember and be humble that God has chosen us. God doesn't need us to fulfill his plan. Because without us, he'll do what he wants. He'll build his church how and when he wants to. God doesn't need me to lick him. God, if he wants, will build his church how he wants to, when he wants to. He may use some of you. He may not. He may use other people, other children. But our hearts, do we put blockage in our hearts? Do we allow God to take control? Or are we scared and worried? Are we concerned what other people might think? Is there too much risk in the way? Because Paul writes, and he writes to the Christians, he says, Christ is an example that he's given us. How humbling is it to know that God doesn't need us, but that he wants us. 
that the work of salvation and grace has been completed in the death and resurrection of Christ, that we have been redeemed in the cross of Christ, and the difficult, most difficult thing to go on the cross and die for our sins has been completed. With that said, if, has, if Christ has laid down his life for us, are we not inclined to serve him? If God is our savior, if we claim to love him and honor him, should we not implement what's required? We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the son pulling through on his mission and obedience to the father and that we're safe. And he's saying to his friends, say, I want, I'm not here to tell you how to do ministry or how to run a church. You guys are more established than our church. You guys probably have more experience than I do. You guys have many streams like, you know, cave, uh, what you guys are um, having in a couple of days' time. And you guys are probably doing a great job reaching out to the community. What I want to do today is I want, you to, uh, I want to remind you and encourage us all to be Christ-like. And whether if you're in ministry or not, I want you to know Christ and to show Christ again in order that when people see us, they see Christ, they experience Christ, that in our daily lives we display the Christ-likeness, His grace and His love among our brothers, among different ministries, among our children. Let us know Christ and let us show Christ. Let me pray.